Voice technology is slowly becoming a part of all of our lives. An estimated 65 million people in the USA now own a Google Home, Amazon Alexa, or something similar. That's according to Edison Research's Infinite Dial report from early in 2019. Most people I know think of these devices as media players, the new kind of radio. But there is so much more to them than just that. Through smart speakers, voice marketing is taking off in the consumer world. But it has B2B applications too. The only way that something like smart speakers and doing marketing through smart speakers is going to be a possibility is if they are pushed through with the data behind them. 3D cinema, it did turn out to be a fad, but if you bought into the uh, 3D TV, then you clearly still have one. So it's not going to disappear completely. It will slowly seep into the way that we do things. It won't necessarily take over. My guest today is Molly Raycraft, and she is a journalist and copywriter at B2B Marketing. She is named as one of the top 15 journalists to follow in B2B. I came across Molly from an article she wrote on B2Bmarketing.net that showcases how B2B brands are utilising voice technology for their marketing campaigns. To start our chat, I asked Molly how smart speakers, seen by many as just a replacement for their FM radio in their kitchen, are being utilised by businesses in the consumer world. So first and foremost, I think that when the Alexas and the Google um, Voice and uh, Apple's um, pod came out, it was very much to do with music and in the family home. And that is the way that we still see um, smart speakers is something to play music on. And I think businesses are now catching up to that. They've come out, particularly within the B2C area, they've come up with some really fun um, novelty things that aren't necessarily leading to direct sales, but kind of drip feed the product in front of the customer. So for example, I know there was a lot of chat when um, smart speakers came out about when, for example, you're ordering something online on shopping and you need, for example, toothpaste, if you say, oh, Alexa, can you order me some toothpaste? What brand of toothpaste is that going to be? Now, a lot of brands wanted to be the brand that would be the automatic choice. So a lot of these B2C brands have come up with these Alexa skills, which are kind of software that are on the voice um, systems, Alexa, for example, that they can use. So for example, Hippo Home Insurance, which is one that came up a lot when I was doing my research, um, have a really cool example of an app that they have on Alexa, which is on away mode. So they do home insurance. So they have this away mode, which their customers or even people that just have an Alexa and aren't a customer can use. And it plays a conversation, a 72 minute conversation, which you can play while you're at the house to make it look like you're actually in and deter burglaries. And it's got a really fun aspect to it as well. You can choose what conversation you want to play. It could be something like a couple having a breakup while watching TV. (laughs) There's one which is two average guys brainstorming about what makes them unique so they can start their own podcast. (laughs) There's an emergency PTA meeting to discuss memes, fidget spinners, and other team fads. So that's 
really cool. And there's a few other examples of that as well. Um, Tide, who does the um, detergent, they have a kind of a stain remover skill, which explains how to get rid of 200 stains. So whatever stain you have, they can talk you through it. And no doubt they'll be using their products as the in the examples that they're giving you so that has a bit more of a commercial link and there's also johnny walker um who is a whiskey company i believe which was also cited a lot by people um and they offer a guided tasting session now they're not directly telling you to go out and get their um products but obviously you need their products to be able to do this really cool guided tasting session at home so i think in the beetle sea world there's a lot of creative fun kind of knick-knack things which are really not necessarily something you'd use on a day-to-day basis but are quite fun to do put the brands front of mind and would make them more the automatic choice in the future i i I love the way that you can you, you know b2c's are using it obviously to promote their business but quite subtly, really, from those examples that you've given. I mean, you know, that that skill by Tide where you can basically, oh, I've just spilled red wine in my white carpet. And then you can literally just say, you know, Alexa, I've spilled red wine in my white carpet. What do I do? And it will come up with that skill set from Tide. And it will obviously then turn around and say, right, well, go and get this product um, and then do this with it. And that will completely remove it. I mean, it's helping the person that's obviously had a problem which is what marketing is all about. Um, and then also it's it's using their product. So if they haven't got it in their cupboard at that time, they might actually go, right, I'll just nip to the shop and I'll see what, you know, I'll go and get that and I'll come back and I'll sort it. Almost a panic buy in that case, I would imagine. Um, but I mean, that's great. But B2B is different. It doesn't work in the same way as B2C. So like, like you said, you, you work mostly in B2B. I struggle to maybe see how we can move or we can take those examples of how B2C do it incredibly well and 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 put it in a B2B context because obviously it's going to take far longer for someone to decide to buy from a B2 you know when it comes to B2B than it does for B2C. Sometimes you've got to go through multiple amounts of people before a decision is made on what they actually get. So I I, I struggle in a way to see how having a smart speaker, Alexa skill or something like that for your brand will actually convert into sales. Yeah, I think a lot of people in the the industry have the exact same feeling as you. I don't think they necessarily understand where it fits within B2B. And that's probably why it's not so advanced. If you look at Amazon and all the other companies that have come out with these smart speakers, they started as being a consumer product. And that's where they currently predominantly sit. Um, so it's difficult to see where it would fit in the B2B context, other than that consumers ultimately work in B2B companies. But that really isn't enough at this stage. I mean, for me, when it comes to sort of then sort of looking at B2B side of things, one of the things that I kind of, in doing this podcast, have heard a lot about how B2B brands are now slowly starting to realise that they need to have an emotional connection with their customer. It's no longer about just 
a, a business selling to a, a computer or, you know, to, a, to another business. There are people behind those businesses. Um, so how, how do you think that voice technology can assist with, with giving that emotional connection to their customers in B2B? Well, firstly, I actually don't think that B2B marketers are slowly realizing about the emotional connection and the importance of it within marketing. I think they actually know and that from the people that I speak to at events and, and through networking, they do know the emotional connection. And it's not necessarily them that wants to experiment with things like voice technology. It's the thing that's hindering them from doing that is the usually the board or people that are wannabe marketers who are kind of they don't really understand marketing as a whole they think something might actually be a good idea but they've not really looked at the data they've not really looked at the creative side of it and they haven't really ever gone beneath the surface and they're the people that are usually saying we need to talk in this specific way we need to have this traditional business talk this jargon and we've very much moved away from that and I think a lot of marketers recognize that and it's not that they don't understand it it's actually having to push that through which is the difficulty and so it may while it may appear that they don't understand the value of emotional connection it is there and i think in the future voice for example does tick a lot of boxes when it comes to emotion for example it's it's a lot easier to create curate emotion into audio than it is copy you can manipulate your voice to elicit a certain emotion as well as that you can add things like background music which is so so easy to make a listener feel a certain way how many adverts do you see and you don't necessarily know wouldn't know how to react if it wasn't for the music um so i i think as well audio you're being listened you you can you're being listened to aren't you as a customer you feel involved in a human conversation i think that is particularly why people have started listening to podcasts again because it's more human it's conversational it's more emotional and it's convenient and i think a great example of this is a b2b technology copywriting company um called radix communications i don't know if you've heard of them they have a podcast called good copy bad copy and they um obviously they have a podcast where they chat about copywriting but one of the other things they do is they've been experimenting with audio form content so they write their blogs as you normally would but then they actually read them as well and record them and you can listen to their content in audio form so if you're on the train or commuting to work or the bus you can listen to it that way and having that voice to emphasize certain bits of the text can actually be really effective. You wrote an article on b2bmarketing.net that showcased some examples of great ways B2B brands have been utilizing voice technology. One of them that I really like is by Vistaprint. Can you just explain what it is that Vistaprint are doing with their voice technology? What I liked about Vistaprint firstly is that it it has kind of taken a bit of the B2C aspect. And I suppose in itself, it does have a B2C arm and that's probably the the explanation behind it. But Vistaprint basically has created an Alexa skill where you can sign up for it 
And every day it will give you a tip for small businesses on how to do marketing, basically. Um, So I just loved this idea so much because they've clearly understood their target audience. They know that people ordering from Vistaprint are most likely small businesses. And in a lot of cases, that will be one person. That person probably doesn't have an office. They're probably working at home or in their garage. And usually in those situations, they'll be listening to the radio while they're spending all day doing their work by themselves. So there is the possibility that they do have an Alexa in replace of a radio. Hmm. So if they're signing up for this one tip every day, it doesn't seem like a huge commitment. You don't even have to listen to it if you don't want to. But every morning when they wake up, they check their schedule, they turn on their Alexa. It's coming up with this one tip for them to help them market their business. And it's not telling them to buy something from their site. It's doing what very much what we said the B2C companies were doing. It's putting them front of mind. It's making them seem like a really helpful brand and a brand that can relate to the customer. I think that's 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 brilliant and a great way of marketing. And as you say, it's taking what works in B2C and just just transposing it, I suppose, into working for B2B. I think the important thing with this one was that they didn't just make their product in audio form. And companies do do that, which is great. So for example, SAP, they have their CRM kind of platform on on an, an Alexa. So you can, if you're working from home, if you're in the middle of doing something, you can pull out data whenever you need it. And I know Salesforce are meant to be launching a vocal CRM this year. So they're making their products into audio form, but Vistaprint is one of one of very few in the B2B space, I feel, that's actually doing something that's more than just offering their product in audio form. The other example that I absolutely loved in your blog post, uh, in your article, was was the Google Duplex. I'm, I'm presuming I'm saying that correctly. Um, <laughs> yeah. It just seems so, it's awe-inspiring. Um, I mean, here, here's a little clip from Google I.O. 2018. What happens is the Google Assistant makes the call seamlessly in the background for you. So what you're going to hear is the Google Assistant actually calling a real salon to schedule the appointment for you. Let's listen. Hi, I'm calling to book a woman's haircut for a client. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. Sure, give me one second. Mm-hmm. Sure, what time are you looking for around? At 12 p.m. We do not have a 12 p.m. available. The closest we have to that is a 1.15. Do you have anything between 10 a.m. and uh, 12 p.m.? Depending on what service she would like, what service is she looking for? Just a woman's haircut for now. Okay, we have a 10 o'clock. 10 a.m. is fine. Okay, what's her first name? The first name is Lisa. Okay, perfect. So I will see Lisa at 10 o'clock on May 3rd. Okay, great. Thanks. Great. Have a great day. Bye.
That was a real call you just heard. Just talk us through the possibilities that that, that new technology will, will provide marketers. Well, it's, it's creepy, first of all, that how crazy it, it sounds. It sounds so realistic. It's got all the tiny nuances of the of language. It can pick up difficulties. Um, and yeah, it just sounds so, so human. Um, I think the potential it has is to obviously take away the frustration with chatbots and kind of automated calls, which I know all of us in our professional lives and also personal lives face. For example, we've all had a cold call, car accident um, question, or have you been in a car accident? If you wait on that call and say no, you there'll just be a long pause and they'll be like, okay, sorry to hear that you had this accident. When did it happen? So it doesn't listen to you at all. With this, it's completely interactive. It's responding to what you are actually saying, which is great. So that resolves the issue of there being that frustration of having a call that really isn't relevant to you, is not even listening to what you're saying. And it also sounds human. It's not one of these, there are, I know there are some better calls, cold calling systems where they do actually understand what you're saying and they will put you through to someone once they've kind of understood what your query is. But this actually sounds like a real human speaking, which again, seems more emotional, seems like you're being listened to. I think the question with this will be, can the product be tailored to individual companies? It's obviously what Google has done here is predominantly for booking appointments, which is a fairly easy process. They've just got to ring up, say the time they want. So it will be interesting if companies are able to use this to be tailored to their product, to know the information about their products, know what their customers' difficulties are and how they can resolve those. So I think at this stage, it's very simple and it will be interesting to see if that can be adapted to a more complex and individual level. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I watched it and just went, oh my goodness, this is crazy that it's so you know, real and the reaction of the crowd that are obviously there at the time. I mean, it's just like wow who knew that we would you know actually get to this point now i mean it does seem it's still look you know you look ahead or you look back rather at films like i don't know total recall and all of that sort of sci-fi from the 80s and early 90s we're kind of getting there now and it's crazy that that's actually happened within our lifetime those films were almost ridiculed for the amount of sci-fi that was in them and how far-fetched it was and yet now here we are and, and you know, we've got, we, we, you know, we've got all of the, the iPads and things like that, that that essentially came from things like Star Trek. And now we're getting the stuff from the, the late 80s, early 90s films that's insane in my, in my mind. And I, I look at it and I just go, I, I can't believe that it's going to actually you know, be here so soon. I mean, I know that we're still a little while away from that being implemented in lots of different, you know, businesses um, as something that is used as often as, as a laptop is. Um, but it but it's potentially going to get there. I mean, that, that kind of actually leads me on to the, the other thing that you acknowledged in your article, Molly, which was 3D cinemas and, and, and what a huge fad it turned out to be in the end. 
Do, do you think that there's a bit of a risk of that happening with voice technology, or, or do you think it will become something that B two B marketers will will basically, you know, take on board and, and use for many many years to come? I think we're at the deciding stage with that. I think with three D cinema, we could do it, but people didn't really want it. They were happy with the two D um, kind of cinema that was there already um so i think that it we could potentially be using it more for b2b marketing campaigns but i really don't think it will be as much as the vendors would like to say it will be for example siri is a prime example yes people use siri but i would say personally i use text a lot more than i use siri it's only once in a blue moon that i will actually use siri so i I think it's kind of would be, if anything, an added bonus rather than the main thing. It's not going to be, you know, you know, like 1984, like we're never going to speak. We're never going to type again. We're only going to speak. Um, so I, I don't think it will take over completely. I think it will be an added bonus. And I, I think as well, fu- these futuristic options, they may be cool and they can be a novelty but sometimes people actually want things that are from the past like we've seen a massive revival of um the 90s especially and kind of mixtapes and companies sending things like cool things like mixtapes out vinyls out i had an invitation to an event a few months ago and it was an old school vinyl and that was really really cool so sometimes actually going back to the past can actually lead more to the future if that makes sense yeah um so i i don't think it's going to take over but i think that there's some added bonuses to be had there the other side of this more negative side of smart speakers is the privacy issue and i don't think this is something that will be overlooked i think the people have become very aware of data and privacy issues and i think there is that more dark side to the alexas for example they're in a lot of houses there's been cases of people being recorded by their alexa there's even been cases of alexas being used in court cases to convict people so it's i think that aspect of it scares a lot of people it reminds them of things like 1984 that i mentioned before like black mirror and the it's it's scary that that seems to be becoming more of a reality and i think if you're looking at using smart speakers as part of your marketing you've really got to look at your target audience funky agencies that are using these and if you're targeting an agency then perhaps that's great because they have a very progressive work environment in in having smart speakers but for example if you're looking at law firms my my friend was reading a book the other day and said that law law firms don't have alexas in them because of the private privacy issue of recording things so if you're targeting a law firm it's really not worth your while so you need to be careful in in looking at who you're targeting before you make that jump to voice technology so is there anything that you would like to see B2B brands using voice technology for, Molly? Yeah, I think the first thing is I would I'd love to see them be past the stage of just transferring their services to audio format. If they could add the um have the kind of the little things that are 
add a little extra value like we saw with Vistaprint, which is a perfect example of it. I think that would be really great, but it's about understanding how you'd be able to mold your product and services into an audio format and giving that added bonus. I think it's a lot easier and a lot clearer to see how you would do that in B2C than with B2B brands. And I think the the second thing that is really important to me is the accessibility of brands. I, I truly believe that brands, whether you're B2C or B2B, there are people that are visually impaired in both industries. And this your product should be accessible to everyone. You shouldn't, it should be given that that's already the case. So when we're still at this stage of trans, finally transferring audio software your products into audio that should already be the case you should already be offering that service from my perspective and when I say visually impaired that could mean you you are completely or it may actually mean short-term impairment which um, a guy that I met a few years ago called Robin Christofferson, who's a great guy. He um, himself is visually impaired and he works as the head of digital inclusion at AbilityNet. He speaks a lot about accessibility in marketing. And we had a long chat about B2B marketing um, and accessibility. And he was saying that you don't necessarily have to be blind to be visually impaired you could it could be short term you could be out walking around on your phone trying to read an email and the sun is on your phone you won't be able to see that properly it's all kinds of things like that you could be walking along and not be able to read something as you're walking along and I would love to see companies really take that accessibility issue more seriously I think it's an ethical issue that is greatly ignored and I think it's really sad that it's it's only being taken notice of because of the uh, how the commercial side of things. It should be like that anyway. Um, Robin gave me some great examples previously and showed me that the majority of websites they they're so poorly designed that they they can't actually be read by a text to speech system. So on, um, like he said. In his experience, nine out of 10 websites he goes on, he can't read a single thing. So he's he's the head of digital inclusion at a company. If he wants to buy something from you and he go, you're selling the product that he needs, he if he goes onto your website and can't read anything, then you've lost that company's business. So it is extremely important. And I understand it's something that's really hard to ingrain within a culture because it's not necessarily, it's not that you don't care, it's just something that you may not have thought about and or it might be one person's thought about it and going back to what I said before about pushing things through that can be difficult um so it's I would love 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 to see that accessibility element of audio really come into play with the voice technology We've had an episode actually um, with a chap called Jeff White, who basically talked all about website optimization, website accessibility. Um, he actually told us about how Beyonce has been sued, or at least her, you know, her website team was sued for a fan that was unable to buy a T-shirt from her website due to that fan's basically their their their, their impairment. Um, the website wasn't designed to allow a person that wasn't completely, 
you know, average and, and, and was able to see here, like, like the majority of the world do. Um, and the person went, well, this isn't good enough. I really love Beyonce, but that's terrible. I'm going to teach them a lesson and make them stand up and realize it. Um, I mean, yeah, voice tech, if that can do anything, then creating that equal accessibility for all will be probably the biggest thing. And, and, and I would suggest maybe the, the largest impact that it could possibly have on our world in, in, in marketing. I completely agree. And I think if you're listening to this and think, oh, well, that doesn't apply to us because none of our customers are visually impaired. Well, that's just not true. Like there there are people you don't know. If you're speaking to someone on a phone, you don't know if they've got a, a sight issue at all. You don't know if you're speaking, if you're typing to someone in, with an email and they type back, it doesn't necessarily mean that they've typed it and they can see the words on the screen. It might be that they have a a text-to-speech system or speech-to-text system that does that for them. So it's it's so important and it's really overlooked. And the one of a really another really great example is um, security numbers. You know, when you buy something and it asks you to type in that code where it's certain numbers, you have to, there's the option to click on and have it dictated out to you. But because um, it's a security thing, it plays this sound underneath. And if you go on to a few of them, try one of them as an example, close your eyes and try to um, like write down what you think you heard, it will be the wrong, it will be the wrong code. And it's, it's actually really, really difficult. And I, if anything, like hopefully those small tweaks will really, as of quality, will really help those people because you're probably losing business from it. And some of the things are really tiny things. And I, I, I hold my hands up and say that, that I've probably done things that haven't made my, my content as accessible as it could be. An example is um, alternative text. Um, so when you're uploading content, you have to go onto the back end of the website and you have to put in kind of data and codes. And one of the things, if you have images, you need to write down the description, which the voice, the text to speech will then tell the person who's on your website what the image is of and that there's been and I know loads and loads of people will do this they'll either leave it blank or they will put in the headline of the article or something that does not explain the image at all and it's even if if you can't do anything massive even just changes such as that will really help in making your content usable with voice technology my thanks to Molly Raycraft. That's it for this week's Tech Demand Weekly. For all the links to find out more about Molly, about b2bmarketing.net, and of course, the article that inspired this episode, check out the show notes or the blog article on tech-demand.com. That's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. I'll be back next time with more B2B marketing content. Thank you very much for joining me. I'll see you next time on Tech Demand Weekly.